Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello. Hello. Welcome to week 32 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. I am Craig Fields. And I'm indeed David Long. And we've attempted to go out of our way to see all the films in the cinema, even the bad ones, so you don't have to. Coming up on this week's show, we're going to be reviewing Wild Rose, starring the brilliant Jesse Buckley and Julie Waters. We'll then be reviewing Fisherman's Friends, starring Tuppence Middleton, James Purefoy and Daniel Mays, also featuring a lot of sea shanties. (laughs) Sea shanties galore. Sea shanties galore, indeed. Next up is The Kindergarten Teacher. This is starring the absolute fabulous Maggie Gyllenhaal. After that, we'll be taking a look at Ben is Back, starring the brilliant and ever-wonderful Julia Roberts, and also the very successful and upcoming star Lucas Hedges. Then we'll be talking about The Prodigy, this week's horror film starring Taylor Schilling and Jackson Robert Scott. After that, Craig will be going hand solo with Miss <laughs> Bala, starring Gina Rodriguez. And with our Cinema at Home feature this week, we'll be looking at Under the Silver Lake, starring Andrew Garfield. And as always, as well as Cinema at Home feature, we'll have our usual box office rundown and, of course, the news. Craig, how are you? I'm very well. It was a very... Uh, Interesting day yesterday, four films in one day. Yes, uh, you, you really smashed it out of the park yesterday. I, I've got to say I'm enjoying today. The sun is out. I feel like spring has sprung. Um, it's finally here. It's been a long, dark winter, culminating in quite a dark and insidious day yesterday. Uh, we watched two horror films, starting with Us, um, which we'll be reviewing on next week's show, and I'll say straight away I'm really looking forward to reviewing that. And we've also got a, a guest on next week as well. We have indeed. It's uh, Zoe... Uh, who reviews a lot of horror films, so I think this one will be right up her street. And also, we saw The Prodigy together, um, quite late actually, about nine o'clock, uh, and we're reviewing that on today's show. After seeing that film, I was I was quite shaken up. Um, mm. Craig dropped me home, <laughs> and just as I was opening the door, my, I live very close to the road, so my front door almost opens onto the main road, and I was just opening my door, and someone behind me just went, you got a light? And I literally jumped out of my skin, turned round. And then, oh, oh, I'm really sorry. I, I didn't mean to scare you. And I said, oh, no, 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 it's not your fault. I've just seen a horror film. And they were like, are you saying I look like I should be in a horror film? <laughs> and the thing is, is they gen- you saw the person. It I was did. a woman wearing all black, black hair. You know, it, it, it was quite scary. And then Craig playing the trick that um, is featured in The Woman in Black. I was like, Craig, that was pretty scary. And you were like... David, what woman? I saw no woman, which really, really spooked me. So I got in last night, watched a bit of David Attenborough, because, yeah, we're reviewing The Prodigy on today's show, Mm. and uh, I was rather shook by Mm. that film. Well, I, I, I had to go on a, a significant drive just to, oh, yeah. just to clean the, the filter on my, on my car because it's a diesel. Yes, I know. Diesel, diesel vehicles, not very good for the environment. But, um, Better than petrol, aren't they? Um, I mean, economically, yes, in some respects, but I don't think they're very um, fr- eco-friendly. You know I'm pretty sure I saw yesterday an electronic police car. An electronic police car? Unless I was imagining it, it seemed very quiet. Maybe it was a, a dual, dual it engine. It might have been. It might have been. But what else are Brexit? 
What a shambles. Mm. Should we, I don't even think we should talk <laughs> about it. Politics on this show, we should stay very far mm. away from. But yes, a shambles An absolute shambles. We've got Infinity War coming up a couple of weeks away. We're, we're running a competition as well. Absolutely. For us. Very, it seems uh, very popular at the minute. Um, mm. If you want to try and win yourself some of those tickets, uh, head on over to Twitter, uh, retweet and follow us, and you'll be entered into the competition to win two tickets to any Cineworld in the UK. Um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, a lot of people are very excited to see us. Jordan Pill, uh, who did Get Out, mm. um, very successful film. Yeah, very, very well made, brilliant film, film Oscar winning, and um, you know this is his follow up film. Um, yeah, lot, really looking forward to reviewing them. A lot of hype around this film. It's done very well in the box office. Um, but is it any good? You will find out next week. <laughs> and speaking of box office, let's kick off the show with our usual dramatic box office rundown. What is it? Box office rundown. What is it? Oh. Box Office Rundown! (laughs) Never made me do that before. This is the Box Office Rundown. Brought to you by Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. Yes, that's right. It's the box office rundown for the weekend of March 15th to the 17th, 2019. David, kick us off at number 10, please. At number 10, we have The Kid Who Would Be King. It took £0.1 million at the weekend, and it's grossed £3.4 million in total. It's been out for five weeks. I really didn't enjoy this film, but Craig did. Um, and overall, it's probably a, a worthy film for families to see in the cinema. And in at number nine, we have... Nismas Tzilikogel Mogel. Three. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I really didn't know how to pronounce that one. So I, uh, Google Translate <laughs> worked very well. Although it didn't translate it to English, it just kept it at It just Polish. read it out in Polish, yeah. It did. Uh, it's a com- comedy romantic film. Uh, it is Polish. And we're definitely not going to get a chance to see this because it's not in our, mm. our local cine world, unfortunately. Or if it was, it, we've missed it. But it has taken... Uh, £200,000 at the weekend, and that's what it's gross because it's been out for one week. And if you are one of our Polish listeners and you have seen this, drop us an email or a tweet, let us know what you thought, and we'll certainly read it out on the show. Above that, at number eight, we have something that's slightly easier to pronounce. It's Green Book. It took £300,000 at the weekend. It's gross £9 million in total. It's been out for seven weeks. It won Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Both me and Craig liked it and would recommend you check it out. In at number seven, we have Instant Family. That's taken £500,000 at the weekend. It's grossed £9.7 million in total, and it's been out for five weeks. David and I both Mm. thoroughly enjoyed this film, and uh, David was very taken aback by how much he actually enjoyed it, and I think the same could be said for me as well. Yeah, and I I also just wanted to quickly add, Craig, I bumped into a mate yesterday, big old geezer, goes up to the football club, you know, likes a pint, uh, went to see this with his family, Mm. uh, his missus and his kids, and he said that he cried. He said it was emotional, it was funny, he really loved it. And I think that just sums this film up, you know, big lads, football lads, beer-loving lads, go with the family and cry. You know, really, really was a very good film. What do we have at number six? Is it me or is it you? Uh, I just did Instant Family, so it's definitely your. Best. So it's definitely me. At number six, we have How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. Uh, it took £500,000 at the weekend. It's grossed £18.2 million in total. It's been out for seven weeks, and it's a thoroughly good film. 
Is that all you're going to say about it? Yeah, it's, it's just a very good film. <laughs> In at number five, then, we have Fighting My, Fighting my Family, Fighting <laughs> With My Family. Uh, that's taken £600,000 at the weekend. It's grossed £4.6 million in total, and it's been out for three weeks. I would have expected this to take in a little bit more money uh, gross-wise. However, it's uh, it's a brilliant film. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I can't remember what you said about it. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I said that we really reviewed it on last week's show. I said that I thought the drama element was actually better than the comedy element, which surprised me with Stephen Merchant being involved. But overall, yeah, a, a film that's worth taking the whole family to see. Just bear in mind, it is a 12A. Above that, at number four, we have the Lego Movie 2, the second part. That also took £600,000 at the weekend. It's grossed quite an impressive £17.5 It's been out for six weeks. Both me and Craig enjoyed this film. Um, we also had the brilliant Jeff Lloyd on the show who reviewed it, and we agreed with him. It was very in-your-face, very loud, lots of colour, perhaps a little bit too much for the adults, certainly good for the children, bit of adult humour in there as well. So if it's still showing in your local cinema, I would suggest that it's a good film for families to go and see. Yes, and in at number three, we have What Men Want. We reviewed that on last week's show. It's taken £800,000 at the weekend. It's grossed £800,000, and it's been out for one week. Um, little pointers to those people who want to go and see it as a family. Uh, make sure your child is over the age of 15, because you will not be entering uh, the cinema. We've had uh, various people trying to uh, go into this uh, local cinema world here with uh, children that are younger than 15. And Really? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's definitely... For for older mm. children, um, sixteen above, one hundred percent. The the yeah. humour is very um, somewhat crude, I'd say. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, it, and, if anything, there's an argument that it should be. You know, the the humour is really for eighteen and upwards. Some of it, it's it's pretty pretty crude stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, I can't remember whether we said this one was worth it or not. We should have had that. We should have the spreadsheet up, shouldn't we? He's gonna kill us. Oh, oh. Uh, Oh, am I allowed to say I'm, that? I'm going to beep it out. <laughs> <laughs> Blimey. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, let's move swiftly on. Um, number two, Fisherman's Friends. It's been out for one week. It took $1.2 at the weekend. That's its total gross. And we are reviewing it on this very show in about, I don't know, 15 minutes' time. Something like that, yeah. Yep. Uh, in at number one, then, it's the fabulous Captain Marvel. It's taken £6.6 .6 million at the weekend. It's grossed, in total now, £23.3 .3 million, and it's been out for two weeks. Uh, we thoroughly enjoyed reviewing this film with Katie on last week's show, and uh, it's a fantastic film. It's one mm. of Marvel's better films. I mean, they're all really good films, but this is up there as being one of my favourites, mm. um, and it's, uh, it's definitely worth going to see in the cinema. And I think it's going to be in the cinema for quite a while. I think mm. just before Avengers comes out, it's going to be up in that box office for quite a while. I mean, I, you're, you're absolutely right, though, Craig. Captain Marvel will... I mean, I think it's going to be in the top three uh, for the next three or four weeks until Infinity War comes out. And that could be the next um, greatest showman that seemed to linger in, 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 in the top oh, ten for didn't months. Linger. And I think it was it 18 left. weeks... The Greatest Showman was in in the box office. And Infinity War, I mean, it's going to be up there for a hell of a long time. Mm, it really is. And Greatest Showman left a nasty smell mm. in that box office, didn't it? It lingered for far, far too long. I'm sure we've mentioned it on our news. And before I do the rundown, they are very much now talking about a sequel to The Greatest Showman. And I can't blame them with the amount of money it took at the box office and the unbelievable passion that people had for that film. Mm. It does make sense. Uh, unfortunately, for yet more great showman activity. Indeed. David, give us the full rundown then from 10 to 1, please. In at number 10, we have The Kid Who Would Be King. Nine 
Mishmash, czyli Kogel Mogel. Three, eight, Green Book. Seven, Instant Family. Six, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. Five, Fighting with My Family. Four, The Lego Movie 2, The Second Part. Three, What Men Want. Two, Fisherman's Friends. And at the top of the pile, it is the very powerful Captain Marvel. So it's now time for the first review of week 32 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast and it's Wild Rose. We saw this as an unlimited screening very recently and this film won't be out for a little while yet for you guys to see but we thought we'd bring you an exclusive early preview review of this film. So what is this film about? Well, Rose Lynn Harlan, played by the brilliant Jessie Buckley, is bursting at the seams with raw talent, along with an energy like no other. She's fresh out of jail and with two young children, all she really wants to do is get out of Glasgow and make it as a country singer in Nashville, Tennessee. Her mother, who's played by Julie Waters, has had enough and forces Rosalind to take responsibility for her life and children. She finds herself a job as a daily woman and to her complete surprise, a friendship forms with the woman whose house she is cleaning. And she encourages and champions Rosalind to pursue her dreams. Let's take a listen to a trailer clip. I bet you're going to miss me. Keep your foot still, please. You're going to be the next Dolly Parton! Your lordship, Miss Harlan has put her childish ways behind her. Her children are living with her once again. Do you miss me? She is a promising young country singer. I'm trying to get to Nashville. Well, you better mind your tad doesn't go off when you're going through security. She now works full time as a daily woman. Hey! I'm trying to be a country singer. Nobody wants to see a convicted criminal out there. Johnny Cash is a convicted criminal, you ball bag. <laughs> country music is just three chords in the truth. Just get whoever's in there out. I should have been born in America. I'm an American. You're young. You're incredibly talented. There is nothing you can't do. Just thinking about your kids. You cast them off when you get a better offer. This is me trying to make something of myself, and surely that's a good thing for them. No letting them down. That would be a good thing for them. So I think that's a great clip uh, that Craig's got there. It's from the trailer, and it gives you a real feel uh, for the kind of film that this is. I'm going to kick straight off with this review by saying that when I first saw the trailer, it, to me it felt like A Star is Born, the Scottish version. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I immediately thought, oh, there's going to be so many comparisons between A Star is Born and this, and how is this going to get anywhere near the quality of A Star is Born? Um, so I went in quite concerned, and I, I expected it to be solid. I thought the trailer looked solid, um, but I, didn't, I wasn't expecting to be blown away. And the truth is that I, I really was. I thought this film was... Fantastic. Um, it gets a great critic score on Rotten Tomatoes of 92%. The audience score isn't available yet because it's not actually out. We saw this uh, as an unlimited screening early. And um, Rose Lynn is this sort of loud-mouthed, impulsive, working-class woman. And Jessie Buckley is great. In fact, she's, she's superb. Um, Julie Walters is also on top form in this. And as well as that, the two child actors deliver these compelling and really mature performances. I'm sure Craig will agree with that. So yes. you've got this family dynamic with um, our, our lead character, Julie Walters, her mum, who's the grandmother to these two children. And obviously you expect good things from, from Julie Walters. Um, um, 
Jess, Jessie Buckley is very, very new, but she's also fantastic. But I just feel like these these two children really pull it all together and the family dynamic is so well acted and it, it really brings you in. And it's not your stereotypical rags to riches story. So it's not like a star is born in, in that sense. It's much more a story about motherhood, about um, the, the female sacrifice of what it means to be a mother and putting your children before yourself. And also a story about... Um, redemption as well and really about a mother with a dream and I just thought the music was wonderful like really really good I actually like country music um I, I can just relate to it I don't know why but I just like the fact that like she says in in, in the trailer there's three chords and the truth I like the honesty yeah and often the fact that country music isn't boasting it's talking about people's problems yeah and that's a really good line because actually mm. you can draw upon that line with a star is born because yeah. actually there's a very similar line spoken in the star is born mm. uh by uh, uh bradley cooper's character's brother in the yes. film and and actually um this film is very much so can be compared in mm. in some way it's the scottish version of yeah. a star is born and it's it's you know the rise of a of a woman who is in love with music and mm. uh, you know has has does she find what she's going to be looking for. Well, actually this is, this is, that's where it differs very mm. much. So, um, and I loved it. I yeah. really, really love this film and it's directed by Tom Harper. It's written by Nicole Taylor. These two people are known mainly for, um, TV show, um, programs such as, uh, Peaky Blinders, um, and various other TV shows that are, are really, really good. So this is their first real outing at a cinematic portrayal of mm. a story. And I think they've both done a, a really great job. They've got a fantastic cast on their hands, obviously, yeah. with Julie Waters and Jesse Buckley. Jesse Buckley's first film um, was Beast, which was, um, you know, came to great, mm. great critical praise. And um, Jesse Buckley really solidifies herself in this film as being a, a mm. rising star. And she was actually nominated for the Rising Star Awards at the BAFTA. She was indeed. Um, she didn't win it, but she she certainly was nominated and, and perhaps, I, I felt, perhaps could have won that. Um, mm. She was... She it was phenomenal in Beast and and in this even better. Mm. Um, you know the the fact that she's got a real great set of lungs on her as well that she can act, <laughs> she can actually sing. You know, I'm glad you went with that. I thought you were going to say something else. Oh no, <laughs> I I do apologise there for I'm my sorry. co-host there. I'm sorry. Um, as I was saying, though, she can really mm. really sing, and it, you know it's the difference between um, Bohemian Rhapsody and films like this and A Star Is Born. People like Jesse Buckley can sing, Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga, mm. Rami Malek, perhaps not. And, you know, this should be received to great critical praise. And as you said in the Rotten Tomatoes already, it has been. Mm. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what other audience members uh, think about this film because yeah. we, we loved it. I we mean, really did. Yeah, like I said, the music's great. I think the cinematography is very striking as well. I think they really capture... Um, some of the poorer areas in Glasgow, and they contrast that beautifully when when she's working as a, a daily woman for this for this house that's you know got the elaborate electrical gates, security cameras, huge garden, mm. and it's it's really well shot. There's a lot of um, a lot of drone work in this as well, a lot of aerial shots, which I think are really quite effective. Um, like I said, the acting's superb. I absolutely loved it. I, I really think that this will be involved in in the BAFTAs next year. Um, and if not the BAFTAs, certainly the Biffers, which is the British Independent Film Awards. Um, this is the kind of film that would do very, very well there. Me and Craig were discussing off-air. I think the budget for this was fairly small. Um, and, they, and they've and they done a great job. And, you know, let, let's, this time last year, Black Panther was out. 
Um, and I always thought that would struggle to get a nomination at the Academy Awards because it was so far ahead. Not only did it get a number of nominations, it won a number of awards. So far, this is one of the films that I think has to be in Best British Film at the BAFTAs 2020. Uh, I just thought it was really, really brilliant. And as we were saying before, it, it was an unlimited screening as well. And this is exactly why you should have an unlimited card, because you will be surprised by the films that you end up going to see. You pay, uh, you know, £17.90 a month and you get unlimited screenings like Wild Rose and mid-90s is coming up fairly soon. And I think we're going to be blown Shazam. away by that. Shazam as well. Um, I think we're going to really enjoy that one. Uh, Pet Cemetery. There's a, so many that, yeah. are, that are coming up, and we've seen so many as well in the past that we've been blown away by. Mm. Um, the guys at Cineworld really know what they're doing when they're picking their unlimited screenings. Yeah. And you know, last year Incredibles two as well. Yeah. Um, so this year, could we be getting Toy Story four? Oh, oh as great. a secret screening. Oh, that could be yes, the first, first secret screening of the year. How how amazing would that mm. be? So um, you know. Yeah. I'm not really sure where I'm going with this. Other than, than <laughs> I'm loved. I love the Cineworld Unlimited card, and I really love Wild Rose. And if you mm. haven't seen, if you didn't get to see it because you didn't have an unlimited card, um, I really advise you to go and see it when it comes mm. out. Um, I think it's coming out on the 12th of April, so fairly soon. Yeah, not too far away. And when it does come out, I think this is a real crowd pleaser. I think it's a film that people are going to see and recommend to their friends. I think it'll actually do very, very well at the box office. And I'm really hoping, like I said, come award season 2020, this doesn't get forgotten just because it's come out quite early. So on the back of that wonderful review, if I dare say so myself, Mr. Fields. <laughs> Wild Rose, is it worth it? Yes. Uh, when this comes out on April 12th, please go and see it. It's so worth going to see on the big screen, especially for the music. And, uh, and it's the ending as well, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but that ending is sensational. Mm. It really is really satisfying. And David, Wild Rose, is it worth it for you? Yes. Uh, not only is Wild Rose worth it, it is actually one of, the, one of my favourite films since doing the podcast. It's up there with the likes of A Star Is Born, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, both of which um, were nominated for Best Picture uh, this year and last year. I adored Wild Rose. I just think the acting's great, the music's great, the cinematography's great. It's honest, it's real, and I think it will do very well at the box office. I think you should 100% go and see it. And that's our review of Wild Rose. So it's now time for our second review, and we will be taking a look at Fisherman's Friends. So a little synopsis for you. Um, the film is about an exceptionally busy London music executive, played by Danny Mays, who heads to a remote Cornish village on a stag weekend where his boss, played by Noel Clark, asks him to sign a group of shanty-singing fishermen. Little does he know that this is in fact all one big joke. As Danny tries to gain the men's respect and belief, he soon realises that there's much more to this group than first meets the eye. This is a group of men who value family and friendship over fame and fortune. As Danny draws closer to the band and Alwyn, played by Tuppence Middleton, Danny starts to question his own integrity and what the true meaning of happiness and success really is. Before we dive into our review, let's take a little listen to a clip. I'll get these. Oh, thank you. Well, you saved our lives yesterday. It's the least I could do. I'd like to talk to you and the boys about the future of the group. Future? Yeah. I manage bands and I'm interested in representing you. You'd better come and talk to the boys. For your information, my Jago is the Roger Daltrey of the group. Well, I'll bear that in mind. 
Yes. Never guessed once. My boy's just been talent spotted. By who? Your admirer. Apparently some kind of big shot in the music industry. Watching you sing was one of those rare moments in the music business when you realise you are witnessing something truly original. The bottom line is, you've got a unique sound. And we believe we can help you get it released by a major label. So there we have a clip from Fisherman's Friends. Now, this film is actually inspired by the true story of the Fisherman's Friends, who were an all-male folk singing group from Port Isaac in Cornwall, um, who actually um, became sort of quite famous and had some unexpected success in the charts uh, in the in the noughties with their sea shanties. And, you know, it's, it's certainly an interesting story, um, Having having seen this film, I've subsequently downloaded their album, and I, I really quite enjoyed it. It's, it really makes you sort of feel like you're there and you're you're on the sea with these guys. But in terms of the film, what did I think of the film? Well, I'll kick off by saying this film is certainly winning no awards. Um, the plot is predictable, um, the script is formulaic and generic, and the acting is it's honest, but it's very workmanlike. It, it's very evident that they're acting and they're playing these roles. Yes. It, it really lacks realism. So the, the acting certainly isn't sensational. The stereotypes are a little OTT. So, you know, the portrayal of the Cockney Londoners, it's like they've taken a regular Cockney, but turned the volume up and turned the eccentricity up. And then they've taken these, these guys from, um, from Cornwall. And again, they've turned the volume up. So it's very OTT. It's like, we know that Londoners and people from Cornwall are different. We, you don't need to blow them up so yeah. much. Well, it's the same with Noel Clark as well, with the American accent yeah, as well. Yeah, which is not great, if I'm honest. Mm. Um, so it's very obvious that it's a film. It's, a very, it's very obvious that everyone's acting. It lacks realism. Um, the trailer was also way, way, way too long. Um, so I went into this film really not expecting much, but... There is a big but here. Having said all that, even though, you know, I think the plot isn't, you know, the plot is predictable, the script's formulaic, I loved this film. I absolutely loved it because it's such a feel-good film. Yeah. It's such a film that, you know, it's very rare that I go to the cinema and really enjoy something. So I can enjoy a film for its cinematic creativity. I can enjoy a film for its acting performances. But it's very rare that I enjoy a film and come out feeling uplifted and in some ways inspired. And and that's what I felt with this film. And you know how much I love my Rotten Tomatoes statistics. Go on then, let's have a listen. A again, this hits the nail on the head. The critics, it gets a 50% approval rating, which I agree with. You know, critically, mm -hmm. th this is nothing sensational, but the audience gives it a 91% score. And I think that tells you everything you need to know about this film. Yes, it's not perfectly made. It's not perfectly acted. It's not perfectly directed. The script is certainly not perfect. But it somehow manages to be this really enjoyable, feel-good British film. And you know why? I'm sure you're going to tell me. <laughs> yeah, I am, yeah. It's because it's it's just really warm and mm. heartfelt and, and, and genuine as mm. well at the same time because the story is is is, is ever-present. Um, it's It's real, if mm. you know what I mean. Obviously, as you said, it's taken everything and turned the dials up, but yeah. it's, it still retains that... Mm. that that real loveliness of 
these blokes who are on on the boats and sing she uh, uh, shanties, sea shanties, um, and and the, and the soundtrack is really really mm. good. And it's one of those ones that you've downloaded straight away and you've really enjoyed, haven't and, you? And I've been singing it as well, much to your horror. Much to um, my horror, I love it. Well, not my singing of it, you don't. Well, I mean, I haven't actually heard you sing, have I? I have. Oh, wait. Yes, I, I have. A rendition of Drunken Sailor earlier and... What should we do? Yeah, with yeah the we, don't, <laughs> we don't need that. Um, <laughs> I tell you what, we, we spoke about this as well. It really reminds me of the other British films that we've seen whilst doing this podcast. Yes. It's like Swimming with, swimming with Men yep. and Finding Your Feet. Yep. Both of them, and actually Danny Mays is in Swimming with Men... Um, both of those are those sort of uplifting, feel-good um, British films. And this one is like that, but it, but it is much, much better. Um, I would say it's, it's, it's almost impossible to not like this film. You know, you might come out saying, yeah, some of it was a bit ropey in terms of the performances and, and this and that. And like I said, from a critical perspective, it's certainly nothing groundbreaking. But I just really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. I think it's a film that you can enjoy throughout the whole year, uh, particularly in the winter, just curl up in a blanket, hot chocolate, watch this film. Um, I thoroughly, thoroughly recommend it. Yeah, so do I. I. I really loved it as well. And it's one of those films that's not going to win awards. It's not going to set, you know, things alight, trailblazing film. It's just going to be one that you, as you said, curl up and mm. really take in the Cornish coast and, mm. and, and enjoy that part of it. Um, should we go for the question then? Yes, I'll ask you the question first. Mr. Fields, The Fisherman's Friends, is it worth it? Yes, I think it's one of those films that's all-inclusive, so you can mm. just take your whole family to go and see this film, and everyone will walk out feeling uplifted and, and, and have enjoyed it. David, for you then, Fisherman's Friends, is it worth it? Yes, absolutely 100% worth it. And like Craig said, I think this is a film that can be seen by literally all ages, from really, really young, sort of five, six, all the way up to nan and granddad, however old they may be, because there's there's humour for children in here, there's humour for adults. The songs are really addictive and just just really enjoyable. I I love this film and I wasn't expecting to love it. If you can, avoid the trailer, because the trailer is too long, but um, 100% go and see this film in your local cinema. Yes, that's right. It's now time for some news. And my first piece of news is about Christopher Nolan's new film that is uh, untitled and nobody really knows what it's about other than the fact that the Black Klansman's John David Washington is on for the lead role. And as well as that, we have Robert Patterson and Elizabeth Debicki uh, reported to be in the film and they both, they've all been cast, ready to go. Nobody knows what they're doing other than the fact that David Washington is going to be <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure Chris Nolan knows what he's doing. No, probably not. No, of course um, he does. I imagine based upon his previous works of Inception and Dunkirk and uh, Interstellar, it's probably something to do with time. time. He loves yes. the concept of time. Probably. I love Christopher Nolan. I'm really looking forward to that film. Well, the rumours are it's going to be big. And uh, innovative. <laughs> well, starring, starring Tom Hanks. Uh, a blockbuster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Took um, me a while to get that joke. Yeah. And also it's going to be shooting on uh, IMAX as well for, for a majority of the film. So it's going to be really, really good. So... It's not going to set to be coming out until July 2020, so a wild wait. 
But I, I, well, naturally, it's going to be big. I'm excited for that. And I've got one piece of news for you, and it's about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, the trailer is out. It is the ninth film by Quentin Tarantino. It stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and Margot Robbie. The trailer looks absolutely mad. Um, it's set in 1969 Los Angeles. DiCaprio plays Western TV star Rick Dalton with Pitt as his longtime stunt double Cliff Booth. Um, and it follows the pair as they try and make the leap onto the big screen. Um, I think this is going to be a good film. I love Tarantino. Um, I re really enjoyed pretty much every film he's ever made, particularly Django. I thought that was great. And I actually quite enjoyed The Hateful Eight as well. But I think this is going to be a big film come award season. It's about Hollywood. It's an old school Hollywood kind of film. The Academy love Tarantino. They've, they've paid a lot of respect to his previous work. Um, so I think it's a film you're going to be hearing a lot about. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood will arrive in the UK on the 14th of August. And I'm incredibly excited because, as you know, Craig, my birthday is the 15th of August. So I will most likely go and see this on IMAX if it's available uh, for my birthday. I'm very excited. I love DiCaprio. Last thing I'll say, he's never been in a bad film. Um, so I think this will be good. What about Titanic? That was awful. Don't you dare! <laughs> Don't. No, honestly, if you ever, if you, if you're at home now, Google Leonardo DiCaprio. Look through his history of films, and you will see that he has genuinely not been in a bad film. Yeah, I've got off the top of my head, I can't think of anything bad that he's been in. He he really hasn't. Everything from his early stuff, Basketball Diaries, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, all the way through, he's very selective with his roles, and he genuinely hasn't been in a bad film. And that is newsworthy. <laughs> uh, my final piece of news is that Bill and Ted 3 is confirmed by Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter in a in a rather lovely video. So if do do check out the video, but um, it's it's going to be brilliant. Um, the synopsis for the film is following on from 1989's Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and 1991's Bill and Ted Bogus Journey. Uh, the, the stakes are even higher than ever before for Bill and Ted uh, yet to fulfill their rock and roll destiny. They, the now middle-aged best friends set out on a new adventure when a visitor from the future warns them that they're only their song can save uh, the world, apparently. Um, yeah, so it's going to be rather interesting. Um, apparently, along the way, they're going to be helped by their, fam their families, old friends, and a few musical legends. So um, I'm looking forward to that. I really loved the first Bill and Ted film. Um, you don't you don't know what the film's about. I'm You've afraid I don't. I'm going to have to make you sit down and watch them. Let's do it. Okay. Oh, great. <laughs> I didn't think you'd be <laughs> that up for it. <laughs> Um, any other news? And in other news, the world's number one bridge player has been banned for doping. <laughs> True. And that was the news brought to you by Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. It's now time to do another review on this week's show. I'll be doing this one on my own. Uh, you didn't get quite enough time to see this one, which is unfortunate. I did not, Craig, but as always, I'm really looking forward, as I'm sure our listeners are, to hearing your review. Well, I hope our <laughs> yeah, listeners are. So. Uh, uh, and if you're not, you can turn or actually fast forward the next, I don't know, six minutes. Oh, then... that's not very nice, <laughs> is it? I'm joking. Well, what is this film? Well, it's The Kindergarten Teacher and it sees Lisa Spinelli, who's played by Maggie Gyllenhaal, uh, as a kindergarten teacher from Staten Island. Uh, she is struggling with feelings of dissatisfaction in her life. She is in a loving yet passionless marriage with her husband, Grant. Her teenage children, Josh and Lainey are distant with her. Uh, Lisa attends a poetry class every week, but her work is uninspiring and dismissed as derivative. Uh, one of Lisa's students, Jimmy, is routinely picked up late from school by his babysitter. 
Uh, one day, Lisa overhears Jimmy reciting a poem he wrote while he is waiting to be picked up. Lisa reads the poem to her poetry class, where her classmates uh, are struck by it and compliment Lisa on her talent. Lisa decides that Jimmy is a prodigy and begins to dedicate her time to nurturing his talent. Let's take a listen to a clip. So tell me about you. What, what, do, you, what do you do? I teach kindergarten. That's such a delicate thing, right? You give the kids something and then they, yeah, they have it forever. The sun hits her yellow house. It's almost like a sign from God. Was that a poem? Right, that was a poem. The sun hits her yellow house. It is almost like a sign from God. Wow. With so few elements, do you think something very, very complex? I think we have a young Mozart. If you stay curious, then you can see the world however you want. Like a cat. I've asked Jimmy to recite a few of his poems at a poetry reading. Forget it. On Thursday, he has baseball practice with his friend. But he's gifted, Mr. Roy. I want my son to have a normal life. Hello. Jimmy, hi. First of all, I want to say how wonderful and how brilliant Maggie Gyllenhaal is in this role. Her psychological exploration of this character is just sensational. She's able to give such a performance. Um, It starts off with these very tender, loving moments between teacher and student, but really progresses into very dark obsessions. And she's living through the child, very much so, who she believes is a very like a child prodigy mm. um, and a poet equivalent to Mozart, as she says in, in the film. And she's very much so trying to encourage uh, her ch- uh, this child to to become something that he probably doesn't really want to be. He doesn't really understand. He's about five years old, if not mm. a bit younger than that. Um, and, you know, it's very difficult to say, you know, how this... Ref- this how she sees herself in this film, it's a reflection of herself and this desperation of wanting to live through this child. It's it's incredible how simple the plot is, but how difficult and enlightening it can be to, to watch this movie. And um, you watched the trailer because you mm. haven't seen the film. And for instant, what did you think when you saw the trailer? What did, What did you think in terms of what it was capturing in, in, in that trailer? Like you said, a very simple concept, really, of this talented five-year-old who can, who can write this good poetry and this woman who almost wants to use that to, to, to her own game. But you just see from, from, the, from the trailer, the first 10, 20 seconds, it's, it's, it seems quite slow and moderate and normal, kindergarten teacher. And then yeah, with that soundtrack, that the, the rapid violin, and in the trailer, you just see how it gets more and more out of hand and things get more and more chaotic. Um, and the, the trailer looked very, very impressive. And obviously, I haven't seen the film, but I do know you enjoyed it because, you know, not long after seeing this film, you, you messaged me urging me to try and see it. Yeah, no. And the the trailer, it doesn't give too much away mm. either, but it allows you to get a sneak peek as to how she performs in terms of going from light and, and tender to this, as I said, very dark obsession. Mm. And and you do get a, a sense of that in the trailer and, and you get a lot more in that film, in, in the film. And it really elevated 
um, the ambiguity of of what's going to happen mm. in this film and and what you know what who she, who is she why is she doing this mm. um you know she's she's been a kindergarten teacher for about 20 years and all of a sudden she gets this sense of having to be something more mm. in life and and you don't really un- get whether or not she's actually seeing these poems coming from this child or not you get you do see him reciting the poems but is she making this up is this is this in her head mm. and that's where it becomes very dark and it gets much darker as well i'm not going to give away the ending i don't want to spoil it for anybody who wants to see it at any point mm. um you're going to say something yeah no. I, t- I tell you what this just discussing uh, this now reminds me of Th- this theme this idea has been touched upon in many many films of you know people of education teachers whether they're you know primary school teachers or whether they're lecturing mm. at university who have a desire to produce a famous piece of work whether it be a famous m- piece of mathematics or literature and then someone else comes along and they can do it with such ease you know for example goodwill hunting how easy it is for will to do these incredibly complicated math yeah. problems and and that math professor it literally kills him that this guy finds it so easy yet has no passion for it and i think it's a really interesting concept for this for this film this kindergarten teacher who who can't herself seem to write anything that gets respect and then a 5 year old comes along and does it and looking at the trailer and from what you've said that seems to really psychologically mess her up yeah it does and in in another regard is that the poetry that this child is reciting she thinks it's amazing everyone around her thinks it's amazing but is it amazing mm. like in in the sense that the, the film makes you think that this is real fantastic mm. poetry and and you really believe it is as well like you get a sense that they you believe it how they're, how they're acting it you mm. really believe what they're saying and it's such a sim- simple and smart movie at the same time, and it's gonna—it's up there as being one of my favourites this year, up there with Wild Rose as well. Oh wow! Um, into that top ten, I'm gonna put together maybe a, a mid-season <laughs> uh, top ten of the uh, films so far of the year. Um, in terms of whether I liked it or not, or is it worth it? You're gonna yeah, ask me the question, Tom. I will. Craig, the kindergarten teacher—is it worth it? Yes, I think this is a wonderful film that should be seen in the cinema. It had a really great soundtrack as well. It, it, it's nice to see certain films in the cinema that are like this. They're not big blockbuster films that have fireworks, explosions, car chase scenes. This didn't have that, but you got, you got something more out of it by it being on the big mm. screen and being in that darkened room. You really focus on the screen and that's why i like coming to the cinema it's that environment and sharing with other people at the same time because you do sometimes look around you and think what are other people thinking yes one final question obviously for people like myself who haven't seen it in the cinema might not have a chance to see it in the cinema is it worth buying on dvd or streaming when it comes out yeah yeah no if it's worth seeing in the cinema i think it's almost instantaneously believed that it should be worth seeing on netflix or wherever it's going to go and i'm sure it'll be there fairly soon to be honest with you didn't get quite a long um run in the cinema um but what i will have a look at very quickly is the rotten tomatoes because the critics gave it a 90 90% on rotten wow. tomatoes uh, audiences was much lower at 66% but I can see why that is. Yeah. Um, it's not going to um, appeal to everybody. Um, but I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think you would have done as well if, you, if you've seen it. And when it does come out, I, yeah, I want you to see it. And then maybe you could recommend it on Cinema at Home when it, when it does come out. If you, if you liked it, that is. Because <laughs> we do have varying opinion every now and then, don't we? Yes, we do. And that was Craig's review of Kindergarten Teacher. Is it worth 
Fit Cinema at Home. Yes, that's right. It's now time for Cinema at Home. And uh, the review that we're going to be doing on this week's show is called Under the Silver Lake. Um, another film that David has unfortunately <laughs> not been able to to uh, to watch. Um, you've been shuffling papers, really, haven't you? Uh, yeah. When, when Craig says I've been shuffling papers, that's, that's um, referring to my job. I have been very busy at work. But we have pumped out two episodes quite quickly, which means we're on top of it. So hopefully I will be seeing all of the films, including the bad ones, very soon so you don't have to. Excellent. So, Under the Silver Lake. Um, this is currently available on Mubi, M-U-B-I. It's a streaming service that I've not really heard of before um, or really delved into. Um, you can get a seven-day free trial for um, Mubi and you can watch this film for free, which is brilliant, and watch it at home. It's a, you can get, download it to an Apple TV and watch it via that or an iPhone or any other phone that you've got as well. Um, but the film is also available to buy on iTunes mm. or rent on iTunes as well if you can't subscribe to Mubi for whatever reason. So, what is this film about? Well, Sam, who's played by Andrew Garfield, is a pop culture obsessive. And when his beautiful, mysterious neighbour disappears without a trace, Sam tries to find uh, the parties responsible. He unravels a string of strange crimes, unsolved murders, and bizarre coincidences in his East Los Angeles neighbourhood. Let's take a quick listen to a clip. Stay quiet. What? It means stay quiet. It's a, a hobo code. Really? Yeah. Hobos and rail riders used it a lot in the 1930s. Uh, here. Take a look. They used it to let people know who was cool, who wasn't, what houses offer food, if there was a doctor in town that might be sympathetic to travelers, that sort of thing. Okay, so why is it in Sarah's room? And... Who are they telling to be quiet? I don't know. Maybe you. There's been this rash of uh, lost and found signs for dogs, humans, musical instruments over the past two years. Something really big is going on. I know it. And you think any of this could be connected to Sarah? Of course. I mean, it could be a lot of things. Um, Sex and drug trafficking, the, the cult of the whale. The dog killer, I don't know. Lately, I just assumed that the owl's kiss has something to do with everything. I'm not so sure about that. So this film is directed by David Mitchell. Uh, He's director of It Follows, and he brings us his very, very elaborate story here. Um, It Follows, however, was a very uh, horror slash uh, slasher uh, film. Um, however, this one has a very much so a David Lynch sort of feel to it. Um, Los Angeles is very much so the playground of choice for this film, and it's steeped in great cinematic history, as we all know. Um, and it's woven into this mystery, mystery or mysterious story that's going on. Uh, the story is very loose, and it follows this this in- insane plot. And tr- trying to understand this mystery that's going on is is almost futile and pointless, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, and it's my understanding that that is actually the point. Mm. I think I'm not 
sure to be honest with you um it uses a very distinctive camera move a lot it's the set pieces are very reminiscent of la la land and other old hollywood style Mm. movies and it's intentionally drawing upon inspiration from some of the greats like hitchcock um the soundtrack is amazing the cinematography is absolutely gorgeous and it uses very old school hollywood cinematic uh lighting techniques Mm. um sort of um revived in or revered in uh, black and white films um it's it's completely balmy, this film. It really is. Um, it's got s- strange cat women murderers, a homeless king, <laughs> hidden and subliminal messages, a composer who hides messages and music mm. from all of the big hits. Its final message is somewhat hidden itself. Mm. Um, what is this film trying to say? What is it really trying <laughs> to say about anything? Is it trying to say anything at all? In my opinion, it's just a, a dig at popular culture, perhaps, or uses the internet uh, information galore and how we're so self-absorbed in this world that there are so many people in this world that are intelligent but so lazy and feel self, self-entitled, self I suppose. And Andrew Garfield portrays that so well mm. with his character, Sam, who's, who's so lazy, he's very intelligent and ha- just has no get-up-and-go. Um, and he puts in a really great performance here. Um, critics and audience alike have literally been split with it. It's a 51% um, of critics liking it on, on Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, Rotten Tomatoes gives n- doesn't disclose what the audience mm. score is because I don't think anybody's really rated it on there yet. Um, I, for one, was engaged uh, and be wa- trying to watch it again to try and fathom what the f*** this film was about. <laughs> but I literally have no idea, really, to be honest with you. Um I've gathered as much information as I possibly can from watching the film. I'm going to watch it multiple times over. And I really want you to watch it as well so you can have maybe a little chat about mm. it next week. Yeah, I, I, I really would actually like to watch it. I will say the trailer was completely insane. Just before recording, I watched the trailer with, with Craig and the first 10, 15 seconds, it looks like a relatively normal film and then it just gets more and more and more bizarre. And I, I love what you said about the way it's shot and some of the old lighting there as well. So it, it looked visually very impressive. But um, I've got to say, your, your review has sold it to me. Um, I am certainly going to watch it. But Craig, for our wonderful listeners, Under the Silver Lake, is it worth it? Yes, it's definitely worth watching it because you can watch it for free. You can subscribe to Movie <laughs> for seven days. You can cancel it at any point and carry on watching for those seven days. Mm. And you've got a film that you can watch for free and other films that are on there as mm. well. There's some really good stuff on there. So, yeah, definitely worth watching uh, on, on Movie. Or if you, I'm not sure if it's worth paying the money for because I think people will be disappointed with it. Um, trying to understand and unravel the mystery that goes alongside it, all the hidden messages and mm. stuff, and trying to work out what this film is about. And nobody will really understand it and in many ways if you if from what you've said in your review it sounds like it is worth it just for the sheer lunacy of it and the fact that you have got almost to watch it again to understand it yeah i'm pretty sure it's an 18 as well so um if you if uh, you're gonna watch it at home with the kids or something like that then possibly don't do that there is <laughs> yeah, well, there yeah. is some uh, full frontal nudity all um all over the place actually as well so yeah Definitely, um, definitely worth it. Def- definitely <laughs> worth it for you because <laughs> you like that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, you can't say that. <laughs> so that was Craig's review of Under the Silver Lake. Moving on to a couple of recommendations, uh, David. You've got a few, haven't you, this week? Yes, I have indeed. So, like I said, these aren't new releases. These are actually quite old films. And the first one I'd like to recommend, it's well, both of these are available on Netflix. But the first one I'm recommending is Moneyball, um, which is directed 
by Bennett Miller. It stars Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, Brad Pitt stars as Billy Bean, the general manager of the Oakland A's. Um, And it's a true story or based upon a true story about Billy Bean's controversial method of building a baseball team based on mathematics, based upon statistics. Brad Pitt is brilliant in the film. Jonah Hill is also great. And if you're thinking, why on earth is he recommending a, a, a baseball film? I don't like baseball at all. I think Craig's seen this and would agree. You don't have to know anything about baseball. Yep. Um, it's quite self-explanatory. Although it's about baseball, the underlying messages and themes in it are much more than baseball. Um, I think it's one of Brad Pitt's best performances that I've seen recently. The film came out in 2011. Jonah Hill's also in it, who I think's a, a fantastic actor um, and definitely brings his A-game here. It's got a brilliant soundtrack. Um, loved watching it. Would really recommend it. It's available on Netflix at the moment, and it's it's a, a film really worth watching. Uh, a second film that I'd like to recommend that's available on Netflix. Many of our listeners may have seen it, but if you haven't, check it out. Goodfellas, directed by the great Martin Scorsese with an incredible all-star cast, including Ray Liotta, Robert De Niro, and Joe Pesci. And the reason I'm recommending this is that Martin Scorsese is about to release very soon The Irishman, um, which is going to come out on Netflix and in some cinemas, De Niro and Pesci star in it. And if you want to get a taste of some of Scorsese's best work, then definitely check out Goodfellas. It came out in 1990, but it is you know, a gangster classic and arguably the high point or one of the best moments of Scorsese's career. De Niro is sensational. Joe Pesci is brilliant. And Ray Liotta as well, I think, gives a career-defining performance. Um, It's almost a faultless film. Um, I don't think it's quite as good as The Godfather. Um, I just think that's, you know, the top. But but after The Godfather, I think it's one of the best gangster films ever made. Um, Both of those films, Moneyball and Goodfellas are available on Netflix at the moment, and I would thoroughly recommend watching them. You will not be disappointed. Um, I've got one from Amazon Prime that was added yesterday, which is Saturday the 24th of March, uh, 23rd of March, sorry, and uh, it's Creed. Creed is now on there to watch. Um, I don't know if you saw the first Creed, did you, in the end, or you did, and yeah, I'm the I one did. that didn't see it. I've now <laughs> seen it. Sorry, wrong way around. Um, it's it's about the former heavyweight, former world heavyweight champion Rocky Balboa uh, and he serves as a trainer and mentor to Adonis Johnson uh, the son of the of his late friend and former rival Apollo Creed mm. and we loved I think more me so um loved uh, Creed 2 um and uh, I really wanted to watch Creed 1 because I hadn't seen it and um, I thoroughly enjoyed it actually and so I really highly recommend it and it's brand new onto Amazon Prime as well so um if you want to watch something that you don't have Netflix, but you have Amazon Prime, mm. this is probably one to watch. Um, Amazon Prime, Netflix, Now TV, they're adding tons of films yeah. now every day. And it's really hard to find things to recommend um, in terms of like things that we've seen, A. B, things that are um, not so old or so new and we can't recommend everything. So I think this is a good one to recommend as you can obviously purchase Creed 2 now as well. So if you'd like mm. Creed 1... Um, and you haven't seen either of them, I think it's worth watching both of them at some point. So, yeah. Yes, I would agree. Um, So they were our reviews of uh, things that are available to stream at home and also a couple of recommendations for you to enjoy. Is it worth it? Cinema at home. The adventure of the cinema being swept from scene to scene, from underwater exploration to otherworldly intergalactic space travel. 
And for just $17.90 a month, you can see unlimited films at Cineworld Cinemas anytime, any day. Get 10% off cinema food and drink, plus 10% off at Cineworld Starbucks. Enjoy 25% off food and drink at Yo Sushi, Cafe Rouge, Bella Italia, La Iguana, La Tasca, and Belgo. Plus, there's preview screenings of upcoming releases and secret screenings throughout the year. With films like Captain Marvel, Toy Story 4, Godzilla 2, King of the Monsters, John Wick 3, Aladdin, and Pet Cemetery, now is a great time to join. Use the code ISITWORTHIT, and that's all one word, and get £10 off your first month's payment, making it just £7.90. So why not join today at cineworld.co.uk? So it's now time for our penultimate review of week 32, and it's called Ben is Back. Uh, This is about Ben, who is a recovering drug addict. He returns back from rehab, much to the surprise of his mother and the rest of his family. It's Christmas Eve, and the family must contend with the consequences of Ben's return. Let's take a listen to a clip. Okay. Here's the deal, and it is not negotiable. You get a day. Are you sure? So long as you pass the drug test I'm about to administer, stay clean while you're here, and that this time tomorrow you are back in sober living. Yeah, okay. Now, I'm not done. These are our terms, and I don't give a shit if you hate these rules. You do not leave my sight ever. You do not close the door to your room, where, by the way, I will be sleeping on the floor, and if you try to sneak off, if your bed so much as makes a squeak, I will be all over you, because for the next 24 hours, you are mine, all mine. Got it? I got it. Good. So uh, that's a clip from the film, and this film is directed by Peter Hedges. Um, He's fantastically cast his own son, Lucas Hedges, in this movie. And a little fact here about that, um, Julia Roberts was the one who convinced uh, Peter to to cast his own son in this film. And I cannot give Julia Roberts enough credit for Mm. convincing him to do that, because Lucas Hedges is sensational in this film, and alongside Julia Roberts as well. Both of them together make this film. Mm. Um, David, I want you to kickstart with a little bit of um, information about the film or re- your part, your take on the film. That's yeah, no worries at all. Yeah, uh, I actually had the same little fact uh, about <laughs> Julia Roberts. Um, she'd seen him in Manchester by the sea uh, and that's when she encouraged um, Peter Hedges to actually cast his own son. Um, you know, and this isn't the first time we've seen it this year. Lucas Hedges is one of two actors in 2018 mm. um, playing drug addicted children. The other is Tim- Timothy Charlemagne in Beautiful Boy, which we have both seen and reviewed several weeks ago. Um, not off the top of my head, not quite sure how many weeks ago. Um, and Hedges and Charlemagne actually appeared together in Lady Bird, which was a brilliant film. And I just want to say, firstly, I totally agree with Craig that um, Lucas Hedges is really great in this. He's also sensational in Boy Erased. Um, and Timothy Charlemagne was also also brilliant in Beautiful Boy. These these two young actors have a, a, a great career ahead of them. I can say now Lucas Hedges and Timothy Charlemagne both will be the kind of people that will be nominated and picking up many Academy Awards um, in their career. So like you said, Julia Robert plays Holly. She's a mother of four, including a 19-year-old son, Ben. Uh, and Ben actually comes back unexpectedly after being sober and clean for 77 days, which is really, really early um, in, in the recovery journey. 77 days sober is an incredible achievement, but that is, you're still incredibly fragile yeah. um, that early in, into recovery. And what I love about this film is 
Julia Roberts is is great. And the first time she sees that Ben is back, um, there's this mixture of euphoria and anxiety. You can see how delighted she is to have her son back, but also how anxious she is. That was portrayed in that clip as well. Um, and A Beautiful Boy was really about a father and son relationship, whereas this is about a mother and son. Um, Hedges is spot on. You know, he has blunt humour in this and, and a brutal honesty um, in the way he, he portrays um, this this young man who's got a drug addiction. And I'm really pleased, actually, to see more films like this being made because there is a huge problem in the States with, with drugs um, and drug addiction. There's a big problem in this country with drug addiction and alcohol addiction. And sometimes I think people don't really take it very, very seriously. Mm. You know, for example, Phil Mitchell in EastEnders, you know, everyone seems to find it almost humorous when he falls off the wagon. And and in, in many ways, it is funny the way that EastEnders show it. But actually, it's no laughing matter. Like, addiction kills people. Um, drug and alcohol addiction costs many, many people their lives. And what I like about this film is it doesn't actually really focus on Ben. It's more the impact that his addiction is having on the whole family. Um, Julia Roberts is great. The supporting cast... Um, which includes Courtney B. Vance and Catherine Newton are are also really good. There's a great family dynamic and you can see the love that Julia Roberts has for Ben, but then the anxiety that her new husband, because um, her character has had a couple of new children, Ben's from a previous relationship. And you can see that tension. And it's, it's just so true, this film. You're constantly on the edge of your seat. It's literally shot on Christmas Eve one night, basically almost pretty much in, I mean, it's not real time because it's only a two hour film but you get the feel like you're just looking in on one evening on on this family's life. Absolutely. And, and we we both watched it separately, um, but we both really enjoyed it. Yeah, I what I really liked was the empathy that, that Hedges and, and Roberts give to the to their roles. You really believe that they're mother and son. Mm. And and like you said about the family being this this kind of different dynamic there with with a new husband new mm. children but you really still buy into this family that they're a real family they they play it so well and and it's as you said it's a very similar story to beautiful boy but it's this time you know it's turned on its head with mother and son where mm. before it's father and son um and it's it's as you said, very different again when it takes takes part in in one night or one evening, mm. and I I think I preferred that in in regards to the process of understanding their characters. You got a bit more out of it somehow, whereas Beautiful Boy is obviously over a number of years. I still felt way more of a connection and and almost saw myself in this family almost yeah. in a strange way. You saw little pieces of it and. You know, it's the arguments, the 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 worrying mother, and and, and also empathetic mother sort of thing. I, I I just yeah, I really really loved this film. It was it was just brilliantly shot mm. um, and really well done. So I think Peter Hedges has done a wonderful job with the screenplay and the directing as well. Mm. Um, yeah, and like you said, it I mean it is some achievement to make a film that is based on one evening, and for you to feel so invested. The the, the acting is so good that immediately as soon as you meet these characters you care for them and yep. you're you're worried for Julia Roberts's character you're worried for um, Ben that he's going to relapse and it throws you straight into it and that, and that takes obviously good direction a, a good script but really it all hinges on the acting yeah it, it feels authentic and it mm. feels credible they're the words that I've got in my notes here yeah. that, and, and that really really sums up this film yeah. I think 
very authentic, very real. And this is a prime example. I mean, the critics give it 81%. It's got an audience score of 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think that's that's pretty solid, actually, for a film about addiction that's quite heavy. For it to get a 70% audience score is is pretty good, and 81% of critics like it. So, you know, again, that's pretty good. Um, but this is a prime example of a film that 100% hinges on its two leads, you know, if you take Julia Roberts and Lucas Hedges out of this and cast someone else and you might have a totally different film. You have to believe their characters. You have to invest in their characters. And you do. Um, I can't rave about... I mean, we know Julia Roberts is good. She's proven it time and time again. But I'm so impressed with Lucas Hedges. Boy Raised, again, was a film that I loved. It's one of the best films I've seen in the last year. And this was hardcore hitting drama at its best. Um, I think we both agree the film did go a bit wonky in, in the sort of third chapter or the last... Yeah, the third act, that final act, it was a bit wonky, wasn't it? But it redeemed itself yeah. to some degree. You know, without any spoilers, the, the, the family dynamic is broken up um, in some way. And instead of being a drama, it becomes a bit more of a thriller. The pace picks up and it's when this happens, we fall into some sort of stereotypes. We, we see some other drug addicts and they're, you know, they're all thin and, you know, they look very much like drug addicts. Now, obviously... In some ways, there's there's no way of avoiding that. But what I like about Ben's character is he doesn't necessarily look like someone that's got a drug problem. And I think that's the point. You know, a lot of people, you look at them and you wouldn't know. Um, and yeah, some of the dealers. And there, there were a few of the side characters in the third act of the film that I, I didn't think were great. But this is when Hedges and Robert shine. Um, as the film sort of wanders off, they pull it right back. The ending is very, very powerful. It's It really is a pretty damn good film. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so, David, I'll ask you the question then. Yeah? Oh, please do. <laughs> uh, ben is back. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Um, it's it's worth it for, for the performances alone. It reminds me in some ways of um, Glenn Close in The Wife. Um, you know, a, a solid film like this, a solid film, nothing outstanding, but well worth seeing for the um, performances, yeah. uh, for Glenn Close's performance. Exactly the same with this. I think it's a very, very solid film, but it becomes a very good film because Hedges and um, Julia Roberts are both brilliant and I really recommend going to see this in the cinema. Yeah, I agree. And, and I, I, I agree on everything there you said and I, I think it's worth seeing in the cinema as well. So. Thank, <laughs> thank you very much, Craig. I appreciate that. That's all right. So that's our review of Ben is Back. So it's now time for the penultimate <laughs> review because the last one wasn't the penultimate one because I forgot there was one more film after this one. So anyway, what film are we doing now? Well, this is The Prodigy. Uh, this film is about Sarah and John Bloom who have an extremely gifted son. Uh, his development is beyond any child's and they believe he's a genius, a child prodigy. However, family life soon turns into a nightmare where Miles' behaviour becomes increasingly erratic and violent after his eighth birthday. Now, after seeking help from two experts, Sarah is horrified to learn that her beloved son may be under the grip of a dark and supernatural force. Let's have a listen to a dark and supernatural clip. <laughs> Sarah, I was so relieved when you called. So you must be Miles. Watch the silver eye. Just watch. The regression won't work if you're in the room. Is this going to hurt him? No. It's hypnosis. Miles goes out of body when the invading soul is present. He won't even remember the experience. 
The goal here is to identify the person who has returned, and this is important. Find out what they want. I'm going to be candid with you, Sarah. This may be your last chance. Miles is eight now. Soon the invading soul will have control. And Miles will be gone. Thank you, Craig, very much for that dark and supernatural clip. Um, I'm going to kick off the review by saying I really didn't know what to expect with this film. Um, I hadn't seen the trailer, and I'd only seen the poster, which seemed to be a, a, a poster of a boy with a skull painted on him. So I went in knowing absolutely nothing, and I'm really quite pleased about that um, because I was pre- pleasantly surprised by this film. So, I mean, the critics give it a 43% score on Rotten Tomatoes, the audience 46 So looking at that, you're probably going in not expecting anything sensational. Yep. Um, but I actually think it's better than that. Um, I really quite enjoyed it. I mean, Taylor Schilling is is the mum here. She plays the mother, Sarah. Uh, and Jackson Robert Scott um, plays the young boy. And let me just say, he is superb. Um, that is a future star there. Um, I've had a look on his IMDb. He's been in a few other things, but he's relatively new to the industry. Um, but Jackson Robert Scott, Jackson Robert Scott, remember that name. Uh, I think he's one to look out for in, in the future. Uh, and Peter Mooney plays the father. And we have this really eerie feel. This film has a very eerie feel to it. Um, very slow paced to begin. Uh, it certainly isn't packed with sort of jump scares, but when they do come, they genuinely do scare you. Both me and Craig were taken aback a couple of times yeah, by... very much so. Yeah, jump scares that... What, what's clever about this film is occasionally it pitches, oh, here comes the scare, here comes the scare, and then it doesn't come. Well, that's like here comes the care, Here and- comes the scare, and it doesn't come. And then, boo, there's the scare when you weren't expecting it. And, and that's what makes this, this, this film quite good, I thought. Um, and also, like I said, the child act is brilliant. But you're genuinely worried. Well, I can say I was genuinely worried about what this boy might do next. So subsequently, having seen the film, I watched the trailer. And I'm glad I didn't see the trailer before seeing the film. Because quite a few key elements um, are actually revealed in that trailer. And it's just very, very eerie. The the, the boy plays it brilliantly. It's got a nice soundtrack. Um, I find the pace of it quite intriguing. Um, that's not to say it's not a film without its problems. I think in the last third of the film, there's some quite lazy writing. Um, and I know Craig agrees with me with that. The way, the, where the plot goes, it's a little bit lazy. It goes down some sort of horror cliches. Uh, and also it moves away from being a horror and tries to become this more sort of thriller style. Um, and, and actually, I think the ending is, is, is somewhat disappointing, although it's, it's not disastrous. Um, what I like about it is that I think it's definitely open for a sequel, um, which I would happily watch because I really quite enjoyed it. Um, I think the reviews of it that I've seen, the, the negative ones... Um, I don't understand them. I, th- I think it's, it's better than a lot, of, a lot of the reviews I've seen. But it's always going to struggle, uh, a film like this, about a demon-possessed child, about a, a child that's filled with some sort of ghoul. Um, you know, The Omen... 1976, a cult classic, a horror masterpiece. So anything that goes near that kind of genre is always going to be compared to that. And this is obviously nowhere near as good as The Omen. But nonetheless, it's a film that pleasantly surprised me, particularly the the leading performances of Taylor Schilling and um, Jackson Scott. Well, it tries to be very different, doesn't it, to The Omen in, in, in one sense. Now, with The Omen, it's a demon that's possessing the child. The devil, I believe. Or the devil that's possessing the child. 
Um, with this, it's different because it turns on its head. It gives a bit more, I suppose, culture to it in the mm. sense because it's not a demon. It's not a devil. It's it's re- reincarnation. And they really do give a really nice um, plot device here where the, where the guy who is um, known for doing you're working on reincarnation and looking into it and, and, and trying to understand mm. it and is, you know, an expert in reincarnation and finding people's stories. He gives a very detailed story that I mm. really enjoyed and that made me like the film way more than I was expecting. I, I tend not to like these sort of films, especially like Insidious. Um, those films are just well, hang truly on. awful on, on most parts. Hang on. What? I'm not accepting that. Why? The first Insidious is very, very good. Well, it's and okay. but the, the first Insidious is a good That's film. your opinion. My opinion is that I'm not a big fan of the Insidious oh, films. On. And I went into this film expecting another sort of that sort of trope of films and and I actually was more pleasantly surprised than I, than I was it mm. is very simple in in terms of plot you know what's coming but um the few jump scares that you get aren't like uh, the nun where it was bang 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 mm. trying to scare you trying to scare you trying to scare you they you didn't see them coming because they're very different jump mm. scares in in some regards there's a few parts that I actually found quite funny one in particular where um, it reveals something that that you weren't really expecting, but in my opinion, in my my mm. thought process, when it went straight to Voldemort, um, <laughs> and and, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was like an adult adult's head on a child's body. Mm. It didn't. It, it made me laugh, um, but it, on most part, for the most part, I think most people found that quite disturbing mm. and and it was in some in some regards. But my my head went went to Voldemort, so therefore it was funny. Um, I. Yes, the ending was not as satisfying as I was hoping for it to be, but you were always engaged in the film. Um, there were a few moments I know where I was like oh, a bit not quite good. I was looking a bit um, upset. I think probably if you looked over, but mm. on the, for the most part, I am I'm very pleased with the film. I thought it was way better than what the uh, Rotten Tomato scores are given. Mm. Um, and yeah, they've, they've certainly left it open for a sequel, and I'd be quite quite interested in seeing where they go with that. Yeah, and and also what I like about this film is fear really is in the mind. So I think a lot of modern horror films, you know, for example, The Nun and Insidious, The Last Key, which I thought was terrible. Although I will say, I think the first Insidious is a brilliant horror film and the second one's not too bad either. It's a shame it gets completely ridiculous by the time it's onto the fourth or fifth. Whatever the hell they're going on with that there now, I, I don't know. But what this does is it's, it's a psychological horror. Um, and... Whenever you've got a child um, that's possessed or, or troubled, it, it's very, very scary because the parents should be in control. They're older, wiser, bigger, stronger. And in theory, the parents should be in control of their children. But here they're not because this child is scary. And actually, you're scared for them. Mm. Uh, and there's one particular scene, I don't want to give too much away, with, with the mother and with the child that is really eerie so there's no jump scares but what he says and what he does in light of what we know about him is just incredibly creepy and it it, it's a bit of a mind f Mm. and that's what i liked about this film like i said it does get a bit silly at the end um but overall no i I would say that this is a much better film than than the reviews would suggest and um i was pleasantly surprised yes i well there was another part of the film that i wasn't quite so happy with it's it's like 
it's that Hollywood typical thing where they they have to show you and tell you at the same time and yeah. leading you by the hand and etc. The opening sequence to the film gives a, a fair amount of weight and mm. it doesn't. You know, you're not building your understanding with the characters of the film because you already know before they know mm. what's essentially happening, and it's very easy to guess from that opening sequence as well what's yeah. going to happen. Um, if they had left that in and and put it a little bit further into the end of the film, it might have allowed us to to second guess a lot of things actually, and and actually mm. that might have made it a little bit more interesting if they had placed that sequence further down the line. And I don't know if you agree with that or not. Yeah, I do. And also, I tell you what, I did think it had the real feel of a, a or the slight feel of an M Night film, um, in the sense that it had this sort of slow building suspense. And there is a bit of a twist here, but like you said, really, they what they do with this film is they have their it's like a poker game. They have their 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 hand, and immediately they just throw their cards yeah. on the table and they show you play them. it far too early, um, don't they? Which I think, like you said, it's slightly disappointing, but at the same time, it's it's just typical Hollywood sort of spoon feeding the audience. But that's not to, to to say that there aren't twists because there are a few unexpected things that come, and there are a few quite you know scary and not so much scary. It's more of a mind mind f, if I can say that. It's not scary, scary, but it, I mean, I left I left the cinema feeling a little bit shook up. Um, and I actually really enjoyed the film. I really did. I mean, I'm not a massive horror fan, and I know um, you know horror critics that watch all kinds of horror films, including low-budget films and foreign horror films, will probably say, as many of the reviews have, that it's quite generic and, and nothing new. But nonetheless, I, um, I enjoyed it. <laughs> For me, it's the reincarnation part of it that mm. really interested me. Um, it captivated me a lot more than I thought. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot more. So, David, The Prodigy. The prodigy. <laughs> said it wrong. The pro- prodigy. There we go. Got it right for the 19th time. Well done, Craig. There we go. Um, is it worth it? Yes, the prodigy is definitely worth it. Um, I, I'm not going to repeat myself. I, um, I recommend you go and see it. Craig's struggling here. Craig, is it worth it? <laughs> and for me, it, it is worth going yes. to see in the cinema. Um, just yeah. simply because... That one jump scare in the film. <laughs> there, yeah, well, there's more. There's more. There's, there's, more there's a couple, one, but the one big one. Yeah, is is quite satisfying after it happens, and you're like, "Whoa!" There was six of us in the cinema, and all six of us. We almost all six of us looked around and talked to each other, didn't we? Kind of. It in was a weird. Way. We almost get, looked at each other and gave each other a bit of a nod, and there was a mumble because it re- it was genuinely very, very unexpected and scary. Mm. Um, and yeah. And that's a review of The Prodigy. <laughs> I'll get oh, it right. Oh, crack. So it is now time for the final review of week 32. And this one is called Miss Barler. Uh, so this film is about Gloria, who is drawn into a world that she never thought possible. When on a night out with her friend, a gang set upon a club, kidnapping her friend, She then finds herself being part of the group on this cross-border crime sort of film from Mexico to Texas and various other places. Uh, And with only her wits about her, she must work out a way to survive. Uh, Let's have a listen to a clip. Tell me lies. I'm gonna hurt you. 
okay? I'm not gonna lie. You were the DA? No. <sighs> you talk like a pocha. What's your deal? I grew up in the States. I, I lived here for a few years. My father is American and he owned a factory of maquiladora here. Nor's a maquiladora. It's gone. And your father? Gone too. I can help you find your friend. But you have to do something for me first. You do that, and I'll help you find Susan. You mess around and I'll kill you both. So I went into this film not really knowing much about it at all. Um, and it it really does throw a lot of stereotypical um, female heroine uh, tropes into this film that it's that a slightly different take on it in terms of it's set in Mexico. It's a Mexican young female um, having to defend herself and get her out of a situ- herself out of a situation whilst also trying to find her her friend. And it falls into this stereotypical Mexican drug dealer sort of realm, gangs going from here to there to everywhere, and her being messed around in terms of. The, the CIA trying to get involved and trying to help her out and they double cross her in, in many respects. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a great film. I'll go straight off the bat there. And, um, and this is certainly re- reflected in the uh, Rotten Tomato scores from the critics at 22%. However, audiences seem to like it much more than, than the critics at 63%, which is actually quite a massive difference. And mm. I, I, I know the reason why here. And I think it's because... Gloria, uh, Gina Rodriguez, sorry, who plays Gloria, has uh, she she is she's brilliant, and and I think she uplifts the film a lot more than most were expecting, and it, she surely has a very good future in in being some kind of action hero in, in in certain films because near to the the climax of this film, she really comes into her own and really does perform uh, some rather heroic uh, things, and she really is a female who is really standing up for for women and that isn't its downfall at all that actually raises this film up in my in my opinion however it's it's not brilliantly shot it's not got some fantastic set pieces in it the the men in the film are just very stereotypical um and and it, the writing and dialogue is very sloppy as well um it, nonetheless, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I thought it was going to be a, a bad film before I even went into it from looking at the poster and whatnot. And and Gina Rodriguez plays quite simply a LA uh, ma- hair and makeup artist and, and comes out the other side pretty much being signed up possibly by the FBI or, or the CIA. And she goes through quite a transformation in this film um, and... Yeah, I mean, it's it's very different, certainly. And it's a film that could be celebrated in some ways, but it just falls massively short in, in a lot more of uh, the other aspects that we like to see in, in these sort of films. And that is somewhat unfortunate. Um, but nonetheless, I think I'm going to say that this film, is it worth... Are you going to ask a question? I, <clears throat> well, I've been sat here listening to your wonderful review, okay. so um, I would indeed like to ask you the go question. Go on then, you go for it. Crag, Miss Barla, is it worth it? Um, I'm going to say no. I think it might be worth watching on streaming services as mm. as a, a, a film to watch at home, um, but I don't think it's worth seeing in, in on the big screen. I don't think a lot of the the action sequences or any of the explosions and all that sort of stuff was that impactful um, to see on the big screen. Um, 
but if you if you fancy seeing something where you want to see a ni- uh, a nice a, a, a really brilliant performance from from Gina Rodriguez, maybe it might be worth going to see see this in the cinema. But you've got the Captain Marvel to contend with mm. in terms of seeing a brilliant female performance in regards to an action superhero, mm. and I think I think that, uh, Brie Larson does it ten times better. So yeah, um, yeah, not worth seeing in the cinema. Thank you very much for listening to week 32 of the film review podcast, Is It Worth It? Uh, David, we've got a competition out at the minute. Do you want to just explain to the listeners what it is? It's a competition we're currently running on our Twitter page, and you can find us on Twitter at FilmIsWorthIt. All you need to do is retweet the tweet and follow us, uh, and you will have a chance of winning two tickets to any Cineworld in the UK to see us. And that isn't me and Craig. That is the <laughs> horror film Us, uh, which me and Craig saw yesterday and will be reviewing um, on upcoming shows. But if you are excited to see that horror film Us, give us a like. Sorry, give us a follow. Retweet the tweet. Um, all the instructions are on on the Twitter page. Jump on there and get involved. At the moment, we've had 64 retweets, um, a lot of comments about people excited to see this film. Uh, and we did the same thing for Captain Marvel. It was a real privilege, actually, to give away a couple of free tickets to uh, a mother and her son up in Scotland, I believe. Indeed, yeah. Um, they went to the Glasgow um, Science Centre, I think it was, which has a really great IMAX. Um, so they really thoroughly enjoyed themselves. Yeah, they? and they sent us an, a, a nice thank you message on Twitter, which was really nice. We, we love giving tickets away to our listeners and and newbies as well. Uh, so definitely head over to to Twitter to have a look at that. We also run a competition, uh, a question on a Tuesday quite often. We have polls on there about what you're seeing over the weekend. So there's lots of activity on Twitter, um, which is always worth checking out. Indeed. Um, something else we want a little plug. Want to plug a little bit. Sorry, um, and that's the Cineworld Unlimited card. Now we've mm. we've plugged it quite a lot, but we really want you to take full advantage of it because, as we've said in the show um, during the course of this show, that we've got Shazam coming up as an mm. unlimited screening. You've got mid nineties, um, and you've also got Pet Cemetery as well. So three really good unlimited screenings. And if you use the code, is it worth it? And that's all one word. You can get uh, ten pounds off which makes it just £7.90 for that first month, yeah. and which is amazing value for money. Mm. It really, really is. And we really love our Cineworld Unlimited card. Um, and if you, even if you just saw two films a month, mm. uh, you t- take full advantage of it and you save yourself some money as well. So it's really worth getting, definitely. Um, yeah. Films that are coming up in uh, the next week's sort of uh, shows, we've got Shazam, Mid-90s, Benjamin, we're reviewing that um, it's just on our Cinema at Home feature. And as we've already said, us as well, we're going to be reviewing that um, over the subsequent weeks with, with Zoe as well from Zobo with a shotgun.com. Um, it's just trying to find the scheduling and the time mm. to fit everything in and, and, and get them all solid down as to what we're going to be reviewing on which days. Um, so yeah, really, really good. So after much persuasion... Uh, David and I are going to play the show out now with a little sea shanty. I, st- I still think this is a bad idea, but one, two, or one, two, three, four. What do you do with a drunken sailor? What do you do with a drunken sailor? What do you do with a drunken sailor early in the morning? Way head up, she rises, way head up, she rises, way head up, she rises early in the morning. David, 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 you can't bang like that. You literally take things to the...
absolute extreme. <laughs> I said to you, I don't want to sing this on the outro. And you said, come on, it'll be fun. Give it your all. So I did. Oh. <laughs> anyway. Goodbye. Thanks, thanks very much for listening. Thank <laughs> you.